to the Retail Transformation Show with me, Oliver Banks. This is your weekly podcast, delivering you the insight, ideas, and inspiration to successfully change and transform in our ever-evolving world of retail. Enjoy listening. Well, hello, and welcome to the Retail Transformation Show. I'm Oliver Banks, your host, and delighted and proud as always to be your guide, helping support you on the way to successful retail transformation. Thanks so much for tuning in. This one is episode 161, number 161. Customer satisfaction is always a focus here in the retail industry. How do we please and delight customers? But not everything always goes to plan. And actually, how do you deal with dissatisfied customers? frustrated customers and even angry customers is an important consideration. And having a well thought through complaints strategy is not something that's that common. And so today here on the podcast, we're going to dive into that a lot more. And shortly, I'm going to be welcoming Helen Dudeney to the show, who is the self-entitled complaining cow. (laughs) She's a trusted consumer champion, journalist, blogger, author, and consultant, and obviously specializes, as the name suggests, in the world of complaints. She regularly hears what frustrations customers have and what improvements they would really like to see, what meaningful things they would want to change from the world of retail. She works with businesses in the UK to increase sales through improving customer service and shows how to do this with compassion, care, and integrity ultimately aiming to reduce risk and turn customers into fans. Helen regularly appears in a number of different media outlets talking about complaints and customer service. The show notes for today's episode are at obandco.uk slash 161. That's obandco.uk slash 161. So without further ado, here is my conversation with Helen Dudeney. So I'm very glad to be welcoming Helen Dunany to the show. Helen, how are you today? I'm very well, thank you. How are you? Awesome. I'm really excited about our conversation in particular. Retail has always been competitive in terms of trying to win customers from each other. But right now, that whole topic of retaining customers is really critical, particularly as we think about sort of the advent of e-commerce and sort of the explosion of the competitive market. Why do retailers lose customers? Why is this such a a challenge? I think the thing is that quite often retailers don't know what they don't know. And consumers will just walk away. If they're receiving poor customer service, they just walk away and they don't give the feedback. Britain sort of seems to be full of people that will have a moan about the weather, but are actually quite (laughs) poor at complaining. So, you know, I help consumers to complain effectively, but generally people don't. They don't know their rights. They don't know. They don't want to cause a scene. They'll just walk away and they don't inform the retailers. So the retailers don't know half the time that they've just lost customers because they have provided poor customer service. And then on top of that, they don't know how many people those people are telling. So they're losing prospective customers as well. So whilst we sit and look at a number of MPS reports, for example, and think, oh, great, 
No one's answering a six or less. Actually, particularly given that we're in the UK, that might just be some British politeness, shall we say, and not giving a bad score. Well, that's it. And I think, but also, you know, there's a lot of criticism about all the kind of metrics that you that you measure stuff, because is it qualitative? Is it, you know, in context? Is it, you know, if somebody comes up and tries to fix your telly and you give them a bad score because the customer service is being really bad, but actually the, the chap that came to fix your telly was quite good, but you give him a poor score. It's it's all in a round. It's not necessarily, you know, sort of appropriate. And quite often people will just give quick scores just to get away from it or, you know. So, you know, I'm very doubtful of a lot of metrics um, really anyway because I know and I listen to consumers. I don't just do the feedback. I listen to what consumers have to say about feedback. So I know that there are huge flaws in all of the systems. I think it's really interesting you picking up the point about the UK customers and almost the country's culture. What do you see in the rest of the world? How does that work? I think it varies. I think um, I think sort of people sort of know that you know in America that they'll they'll complain more, or um, but I think it's it's difficult to tell really because you know I'm, I focus on the UK and 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 helping consumers and businesses here really. But I think it just it varies, but then it varies because customer service is better mm. in other countries. So, you know, you can look at it as like, oh, do consumers complain more in other countries? Well, possibly they don't because the service is better. So mm. it isn't necessarily because consumers are less likely to complain. You know, it's right. There's too many different factors, I think. Yeah, so it's not a clean one particular lever that that adjusts all of this. No. So I'm keen to understand what can retailers do about this? It might seem uh, counterintuitive, um, what we can say, but I do tell businesses this a lot, and it, and it works, is that actually you tell consumers right from the beginning how to complain. So on your website, you say how you complain, how you do it, how you make it easier for people so that they know the process, because actually it gives people that bit more trust. If you're a member of an alternative dispute resolution scheme, it gives people more trust in your brand if they're looking at two brands and their you know your product or your service is the same price you then have to look at something else you have to look at customer service and in fact people are looking more at customer service and paying more for good customer service anyway mm. we're certainly seeing that through you know the pandemic people are actually changing their shopping habits but when they see that actually a company says look we're not going to get it right 100% of the time. You know, companies don't get it right 100% of the time. We all make mistakes. It's how you deal with it. Now, if you're open and transparent right from the beginning and say, this is how we deal with complaints, we really hope your your whole contract, your service, product, everything goes really well. But if it doesn't, this is what we need from you. This is how we need it. And we will do our best to put it right. Mm. That's going to give people confidence. So that is a real clear cut way of being able to help people. That's really interesting, isn't it? And I'm assuming we're talking about being quite open about this in terms of where you position it, not in your terms and conditions, clause 6B, part 3. Exactly, exactly. I've just been working with a big corporate in the last couple of years and helping them to work with their correspondence with vulnerable customers. And in fact, you're then, of course, helping all customers. But it's changing the terminology and changing their how to complain sort of stuff that they have and it's about making it easy for people to see and actually put yourself above your competition mm. by actually showing that your customer service is better because as i say we are seeing people who are prepared to pay that little bit more for a good customer service 
because that trust, because they know that actually paying a couple of quid more for customer service is probably good in the long run because you're going to save time. Yeah. You know, having to complain in, in the future. And can you think of a company that is doing a really good job of this, being open about how to complain? I think it's, it's all oh, that sort of naming the, the companies that I work with because they're doing it. So that would be sort of a big, bit of a push. Um, I think it's difficult to say, actually, other than the ones that I work with, but I don't think anyone is very good at it. Mm. I think that's pretty key because we don't see businesses going, here, look, this is how you complain. Because it sounds just so wrong. Yep. So businesses just go, I'm not going to tell people how to complain. But actually, it really, really helps. And I think we just don't see businesses do it. So I can't really give examples. Because although, you know, I say what businesses do, they're working through it. Sure. Because it's, it's a difficult concept to get their head around. But once you do do it, it's interesting. But also, you also hear from businesses that, they don't know how to deal with complaints sometimes because it's been made so difficult for them. You know, the customer hasn't given their account number or they haven't said what they want. And I know when I met um, the Tesco CEO six, seven years ago and he just started and he said, I wish consumers all had your book, which is how to complain. <laughs> because he said, one of our issues is that we don't know how to deal with complaints sometimes because we don't know what it is that people want. Whereas that actually helps people. Mm. But it doesn't have to come from the consumer side. That can come from the business side too, by saying, this is what we need. We need your account number. We need you to tell us the impact of the complaint. And we need you to tell us how much you're out of pocket and what you want. But if you tell people that's what you want, you're also going to make your life easier in dealing with the complaint when it comes. I think that's really key in terms of not just how to do it, but make it crystal clear, step through so that you don't have this huge back and forth over, frankly, some of the admin steps almost, you know, account number, et cetera, order number, whatever. That's it, yeah. It saves everybody's time. You make the whole journey easier yeah. and, and smoother and quicker and therefore cheaper. <laughs> you know, it's more cost effective. And in terms of dealing with complaints, I mean, we've heard of stories like Zappos where customer service agents are empowered to do whatever they feel is right to overcome the complaint. What's your view? Once a customer contacts you and says, here's my account number, here's my order number, dot, 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 everything you need, what should a company do about that? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I feel very strongly that you should empower staff to make the decisions because it's just the benefits of that are just so many because the staff feel empowered. They're going to feel more loyal to the company anyway. They're going to feel more confident about the job that they're doing Yep. and therefore provide a better job. And, you know, it just seems... It just seems like common sense to me, but so many companies don't do it. Um, and also, you know, you think of uh, AO, where John Roberts has, has instilled in his company right through that they're all empowered to make the decisions of this is how much compensation we give. And this is, you know, you make that decision. And I did say to him a few years ago, I said, what do you do about the people that, you know, fabricate? Because let's face it, some people will. <laughs> And he said, the thing is, the number of people who fabricate is actually so low that if you do compensate them or you give them something, although it will irk because, you know, you know that they're onto something, yep. it's actually still more cost effective because the amount of people that are genuine, because they've been dealt with right at the bottom of the chain of, of customer service, and it's been dealt with, it hasn't escalated and therefore costs more money. So I think it's an interesting concept because I think, you know, as a consumer champion, the people that fabricate, exaggerate, lie, you know, give complaining effectively a bad name. And I, you know, I, so I, I struggle with that kind of complainer. Mm. So I had quite an interesting discussion with him about that. Mm. 
but but ultimately you can't really argue with the fact that actually a few bad apples you know you will have you will have that oh i don't want to give that refund but actually the fact that you're giving the refund to 99% of the people who are honest and genuine is saving you time trouble effort and money mm. you know it's a strong argument really yes it's it's what do you do with you know those stats you know they're 1% of of and i'm assuming that's just a a made up number by the way yeah, 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 yeah. My, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, the 1% of, of customers that do sort of try and play a scam, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Does that create a, a word of mouth of scammers as well, right? Yeah, and there are things that, you know, you can do. If you do want to make a list, you know, you can do all that and just say, you know, that as this is a goodwill gesture, you know, that this will be one off and, you know, that kind of thing. And you can start to see it at a train, you know, the pattern. Mm. But I just think it is an interesting concept that actually you just have to go with the majority and it works. And obviously it's worked for them. So it's a, a great business. So, yeah, you know, I think empowering staff is 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 so important. You certainly mm. see that it's motivating for them and that they will ultimately give the best service to the customers and that will result in more sales. Yeah. I'm sort of thinking here around returns, which in a way, as a form of complaint, right? It may, mm-hmm. may be that something isn't wrong, but yeah. ultimately the, the customer is wanting a refund. And you hear, obviously, massive challenges around e-commerce returns in particular. And you hear stories of companies that have barred serial returners, mm-hmm. where you know, you've know you got this sort of track record of returning or complaining or, or refunds, whatever. What are your thoughts on that? Is that the right move to make? It's an interesting one, isn't it? Because I think um, when ASOS sort of brought that out, was it a couple of years ago? I did, yeah. did something on, on the news about it. I think so, yeah. And I think partly it was it was just publicity raising because it died. The story just died that, that, that they were doing this and that they were going to go through social media and see who was wearing stuff and then sending it back and all of that. <laughs> But it's like, well, that is not cost effective to do that. Mm. So I'm sure nobody at that company is looking through social media and seeing if people are putting up photos of something and then sending it back. So I think some of it is publicity. I think it's it's just sending out a warning shot to people. Mm. So I don't I don't think it's it's huge out there. And I think certainly sort of with clothing, we're seeing more about actually that there are certain labels that they're threading things through clothes i'm doing that with my hands which is not helpful on a podcast is it yep. <laughs> they're threading they're threading things through through clothes so that actually you can't wear it or or say so if you pull this out you know the dye will come out on it or something so mm. i think there are measures that that companies can put into place whether it is you know publicity or whatever but i don't think it's as a growing trend as much as people might think it is right okay that's interesting that's interesting so another thought which is in my head here is We've spoken a bit about how to deal with the complaint when it's there. How do you prevent the complaint before it even happens, right? <laughs> well, that's, that is, of course, a difficult one because, you know, I think it's acknowledgement, know and just accept that you will get complaints. You know, I don't believe businesses that say, oh, I never get complaints. Mm. Do you not? Then you really don't know about the people who haven't come back to you. So it's not that you don't get them, it's the fact that they're just invisible to you. Absolutely. You know, mm. you're not hearing about them. Of course you're going to have complaints. There will be particularly, I think, you know, maybe if you only ever sell one-to-one, you may not. Um, but if you're selling one-to-many, of course you're going to have complaints. And I think it's a case of just acknowledging that um, and knowing that you'll get them. Mm. 
and and knowing that you will deal with them appropriately. And certainly, as I was mentioning earlier about telling people how to complain, that will prevent some complaints because people would have just got that trust in you. So they won't be so ready to to think that this is wrong. They'll just well, actually they they're doing everything they can. Mm. Making sure that staff are you know well trained so that actually when they're sending the parcels out or when they're in store that they're actually dealing with the customers and treating them as individuals. That's really important. You know, I I actually really hate the line that's said quite often, which is treat every customer like you would treat your mum or treat everyone like you would like to be treated. Don't do that. Don't want to be treated like you you should treat my mum. My mum's really nice. My mum's lovely. (laughs) She's 80. She's a widow. If she talks to you on the phone, she's going to be wanting to talk to you on the phone for a very long time. She's going to be, you know, you chat about anything. Don't do that to me. I'll, you know, I would just go mad. If I'm phoning you, which I very rarely do, I put everything in writing. But if I answer phoning, it's just like, bish, bash, bosh. This is what I want done. I'm a busy woman. I need to get on with this. So you have to treat me, (laughs) my mum, very, very differently. Yeah. So when you're talking to customers, that's how you prevent complaints. Because if you were talking to me, like you talked to my mum, you are going to get a complaint from me. Because I'd be like, why were you wasting my time? Whereas my mum, if you treated my mum... Like I would want to be treated, she'd be like, well, they were very rude. They were very short. Yes. They were very short with me. Yeah. I was trying to have a conversation. They cut me off. And it sort of almost escalates the frustration if you get that Absolutely. communication style wrong. Yes. So I think it's very important to get the right staff in. That's how you prevent complaints, by actually treating those people as individuals, whether they're on the phone or in store, you know, you're going to store. Again, I'll use my mum. <laughs> my mum will like a chat. You know, you go up to, is there anything I can help you with? She'll be lovely. She'll have a chat with you. Don't do that to me. Ah, drives me nuts. If I want something, I will ask for it. And you should be able to see that from my face. Don't come. But people do. That's just really annoyed me. Whereas my mum will be like, I was looking around and nobody came and helped. Mm. So it's about gauging that and not having the blanket policy of as soon as somebody walks into a shop, this is what I do. No, you have the blanket policy of when somebody walks into the shop, you gauge what what you think they might need. And that's very different because that is shifting the focus to what the customer wants, not what your policy is or what you want to do. Mm. And that is about, and then that's, you get the culture for your business that is not, you know, that, that sets you apart from everyone else. Does that make sense? Yep, that makes sense. And it's interesting thinking about that sort of escalating frustration factor that ultimately can lead from, a bad experience into a complaint. And if that frustration continues to escalate, when you start to get complaints about complaints, yep. everything from emailing a CEO to rants on review sites, etc. What's the best approach to dealing with that sort of situation? Well, the thing is, it's preventing it getting to that stage, you know, because obviously, I, I recommend to consumers all the time to go to the CEO when you don't get the the matter sorted and that's all about making sure really that those staff are empowered because if those staff are empowered that first there that the first port of call at the at the customer service it won't escalate to that it won't escalate to social media it's about having enough staff there as well because a common complaint from from consumers is that they were pushed from pillar to post nobody answered the phone um that they're having to repeat themselves they've been fobbed off it's 
those kinds of things that are always at the top of the list that consumers tell me that that really frustrate them. And they're so easy to deal with. It's it's about empowering your, your staff, as we've mentioned, but making sure that they're well trained so that they don't have to push you to somebody else for you to repeat yourself. Mm. It's about making sure that people are not waiting an hour on the phone, you know, and not when you're trying to cut back expenditure, you're not cutting it in customer service because that's actually where you need to be investing because we all know it costs five times, at least five times as much to get a new customer as it does to retain one. Mm. So why aren't you spending more in customer service than marketing? That I mean, that one always gets me because people think, well, marketing and advertising, it's sexy and it's fun and it's great. And look at all our new customers. Yeah, but you've disinvested in your customer service and you've lost this one, this one, this one, and this one. Yep. So to me, it's just a no-brainer, but but companies don't get their head around it. You just see all the big companies, which I shall name <laughs> if you want me to, who don't invest in the customer service, and it's atrocious. Right, that's really interesting. That's when a complaint festers and escalates, and ultimately that customer will be lost for life, I'm assuming. Yeah. Particularly depending on what type of retail or service it is. Yeah, I think, I think it varies. I mean, why I don't change with my um, telecom provider, and I think telecom providers know this, is that because they're all poor, they're all poor at communication, communication providers, but all poor at communication, is that for every one they've lost, they've got somebody else going. So people just go all the way so around. Closed, so you're still going to have problems. <laughs> yeah, and also I've been with them for so long that my email address, my work one is separate, but but my personal email address has been with them for over 20 mm. years and it's just the thought of how many websites is that email address associated with so although i advise people you know don't use that email address have a have a internet based one mm. you know it's too late for me so uh, you know i might get around to it at some point but i think you know for um retailers it's it's different because there is more choice mm. out there and people will go somewhere else you just won't know about it sure and what does the path look like after a complaint? You know, we started this conversation thinking about retaining customers or losing customers. Is a complaining customer a lost customer? No, not at all. Um, obviously, as a consumer champion, I've complained quite a bit. <laughs> so, you know, and I empower people to, to, to complain. But certainly, you know, what, what I look at and think that, you know, that was, that was a complaint dealt with really well. And so I've talked about that on my blog before. It's how you exceed expectations. And I have talked about how complaints have been dealt with really well. And I talk about how complaints have been dealt with really badly, because I think you've got to show both. And if you show how a complaint has been dealt with well, it still empowers companies to go, actually, this is how we need to do it. So actually, if you deal with a complaint really well and you exceed their expectations, so I don't know if you've... Um, if you say that you'll get back to somebody within 14 days and actually you do it in seven, you give a full refund, but you give a little bit of a goodwill gesture on top, mm-hmm. you know, you give something that's unexpected. Those kinds of things, actually, the customer goes away and thinks, OK, they made a mistake, but they've dealt with it really well. And and I'll come back because, you know, there is that old adage that people don't remember, you know, what you say, but they remember how you made them feel. Mm. So in all the, you know, the hundreds and hundreds of complaints that I've made for people, I can't remember them. People say, well, what's the biggest? What's this? What's that? And I can't remember because I do it and it's gone. But when a complaint's been dealt with really, really well, I can remember them. Yep. If I've had really good service or I've asked for something and I've been given more, you know, I've written, written about that a lot. I think it's, it's when you exceed expectations, which you can do when you handle a complaint, 
it does much more than just dealing with a complaint. Mm. I'd love to find out about your best complaint handling and resolution that you've received. The best handling one, it's, it's, a, nice, it's a nice change because I keep getting asked about, oh, what's the most you've ever got? And I, it, is that irrelevant to me? It doesn't matter the amount. It really doesn't matter. It depends on what you're buying, right? <laughs> what the situation is. Yes. And it's and it's like, you know, actually, it's, you know, for consumers, it's about, you know, when a, it's a really big injustice and I've got it, you know, put right. And you know, money quite often doesn't have to be mm. part of it. It could just be that, you know, they've, they've trained a member of staff so it doesn't happen again. That kind of thing. Well, it's interesting because the story I talk about is, is I talk about Tesco a lot because I shop there. It's my, it's my supermarket. Yep. But because I you know, shop there weekly, you're, of course, going to regularly get complaints. And so six, seven years ago, however long it was, I took them to court. And then <laughs> having sort of built up communication with Tesco. But um, mm. I suppose it was a couple of years ago. Mm. It was a collection of my supermarket shop and something had gone wrong. Absolutely can't remember what it was. And I put a complaint in about it. And um, I think it must have been more than just, you know, it wasn't there. But I literally cannot remember what the complaint was. And the manager came round with flowers, chocolates, champagne and some sweets. Wow. That was so lovely because I'm so used to, I'm so used to, here's your 50 quid, here's your, you know, yeah. here's this, here's, yeah, because I just go, so as I mentioned, I just go bang, 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 bang. This is the law that you've broken. This is what I expect. And this is what you're going to do. And this is what I'm going to do if you don't do it. And then consequently do it, yep. whether it's, you know, ombudsman or court or whatever. Um, so I'm so used to doing that. So something like that was really lovely for me. And I also remember that when she came round, she said, I've just gone to the wrong house. She said, I've just gone to the wrong house. <laughs> she said, and somebody's just answered the door and I had flowers in my hand. And she said, and this lady just went, oh, lovely. And she said, I felt really, really bad. So I've sent her some flowers as well. <laughs> so I remembered that as well because she just felt really genuine. And she said, well, that's genuine. It's so genuine. And obviously there were lots of, I've had loads of, loads of yeah. other complaints about them over the years don't remember them don't even remember what that complaint is but I do remember how it made me feel written about it and you know I still remember it and it must be it must be about three years ago so Mm. it's that kind of thing that you that you just remember really Mm. well you know I think Dunelm a few years ago um I'd complained about I take my mum to a cream tea or something in Dunelm and it was like one o'clock in the afternoon or something, it was something like, and they'd run out and they didn't have it. And the and the woman on the till didn't know, have a clue what she was doing. And they hadn't ordered stuff and all that. And I and I wrote and he thanked me. He said, I'm going to put training in. One of our processes um, is very poor here. Because that's why I like to hear thinking, actually, you really need these complaints because mm. this is what you can now put in place when you hear about the complaint. And so, and he then said, and here's, here's a voucher so that your mum and a friend can come in and have a cream tea with us. And, you know, so... I think that's really nice. And that's years ago. Yeah. But it is those kinds of things that you remember because it's that little, the little touch and showing people that you've taken the feedback on board. It's not just a case of, okay, your 40 items, 50 quid, here's your 50 quid. Maybe here's another 10 pound on top for your, mm. for your troubles. That, that doesn't cut it. Actually saying, we're really sorry about that. We found a flaw in the system. Thank you very much for your feedback. And this is what we're going to do about it. That's what I like to hear that. That's that people have listened to me, and actually, I've helped your I've helped your service. So, in fact, it's it's free feedback. So, why wouldn't you reward that customer? You know, if you had a consultant in at hundreds and thousands of pounds a day to tell you this stuff, it's more valuable than that because the consultant has come in and said this is wrong with your processes. 
you don't really know not you know that's their opinion but when a customer has told you this has gone wrong for me how invaluable is that so you do need to thank them yeah particularly when you consider how many other times it's happened and you just don't know to, to your point earlier exactly exactly if it's happened to one you can bet your bottom dollar it's it's happened to loads of other people mm. and you can put something in place to prevent that complaint happening again which is just I mean, how valuable is that? It's extortionally invaluable. So why wouldn't you thank and reward that customer for it? Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I think that's a sort of fantastic place to wrap up our conversation. But just before we do, I'd love to ask, how can people find out more, Helen? I am on the complainingcow.co.uk. So that's split into into, into two sides. Really. So I do one for the consumer and one for business and some overlap. So I've also got a free download, customer service, five ways to get rave reviews and referrals, which is about treating people as individuals, just tweaking a few things here and there, which will help you to get people doing the heavy lifting of marketing for you and sort of shouting about you and increasing your sales. And that you can find that on the website and the link will be on there under publications and lots of the posts. You can also find me on LinkedIn. Of course, do connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm on Twitter at Complaining Cow and I'm on Facebook. Uh, you can uh, follow me or connect with me on Facebook. And I've got the Complaining Cow consumer facing page, but I've also got a group on there, which is Increase Sales with uh, Customer Service, Compassion, Care and Integrity. So that's a group where people come together and share advice, the odd rant about customers, because let's be honest, you know, let's, <laughs> we want a safe place to do that um, and ask for tips, advice, guidance, share stories and I put tips and things in there and we open conversations and stuff so that's a free Facebook group that you're very welcome to join wonderful wonderful well we'll make sure we put all of those links onto the show notes page today as well just in case anyone didn't have uh, have their note notepad in front of them uh, ready to ready to dive into into the Facebook group and I'm sure that gets some fairly feisty conversations going by the sounds of things <laughs> it should do yeah it's a growing group so come and join us Super, brilliant. Well, Helen, thank you so much for, for joining us here on the Retail Transformation Show and teaching us all a little bit more about how to deal and handle effectively with complaints. Thank you. So there we go. That was my conversation there with Helen Judany, the complaining cow. And those various links and resources that Helen mentioned are at the show notes. So do head over to obandco.uk slash 161. Also on that show notes page, you will find two additional things. Firstly, sign up to the Retail Transformation Briefing. If you've not already done this, then this is your way to keep your finger on the pulse of what's changing in the world of retail. The Retail Transformation Briefing is my free email newsletter. It comes out every single week with the key headlines and insights from the world of retail transformation. Do not miss out. Sign up for free at the show notes, obandco.uk slash 161. Also, you will find some additional episodes to listen to. Those are episodes 68 and 69 with Richard Hammond and Rocky Howard talking about how to win customers. Richard and Rocky also highlight some of the challenges with NPS, as we were talking about with Helen. So do check that episode out. In episode 97, I welcomed Martin Newman onto the show, and we were talking about customer-centric cultures, and how you can start to think about customer service more as a 
profit generator rather than just as a pure cost. And then finally, in episode 154, I was talking to Axonify's Liam O'Meara about avoiding frontline burnout. And of course, a barrage of complaints can be stressful for our colleagues on the frontline. So that's another great episode to check out related to the world of complaints. So thanks so much for listening. If you're new to listening, do make sure you hit the subscribe button on your podcast player with new episodes coming out every single week. Thanks so much. And I'll catch you in another episode very soon. Bye for now.